0: the last 2,000 years, people have said a lot about Jesus. But who did he say he was? Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. In this series, we will be looking at the Gospel of John and specifically the statements Jesus made saying, I am. These verses reveal his character in a powerful way. We hope you enjoy. All right, thank you, Pastor Rob, for that lovely rendition of Ave Maria. I really hope that they were able to get that on video for you all at home. Um, so, okay, in all seriousness, just kidding. But I do want to just say thank you to the worship team for being here today, uh, for leading us in worship, and so grateful for that. So in Mark chapter 8, we read of a short conversation that Jesus is having with just his disciples. There aren't any large crowds, it's just his followers. It's an intimate conversation. At this point, they've seen Jesus heal people. They've seen Jesus miraculously feed people. They've even seen Jesus calm a storm. So in Mark chapter 8, Jesus asks them a question. As he's sitting around with the disciples, he looks at them and he says, Who do people say I am? The disciples responded by saying names like John the Baptist, Elijah, and other prophets. Then Jesus asked the most important question he could ask them. And it's still really the most important question that he could ask each one of us today. Because he looks at his disciples and he says, what about you? Who do you say I am? And we know that that Peter answered with what we call the good confession. Because in the Gospel of Mark, he says that you are the Christ. But Matthew tells us even more, because in Matthew he says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Of the living God. 2,000 years ago, people disagreed about who Jesus was, and even today, people still disagree about who Jesus was and is. But I believe it's still the most important question that each one of us could have to answer. It's more important than, where am I going to go to college? It's more important than who am I going to marry. It's more important than what will my career be. It's more important than where will I live. Even right now, it's still more important than where am I going to get my next toilet roll and where am I going to get my next loaf of bread. Those are all important questions and serious questions, but not nearly as important as a question about who do we say Jesus is. You know, in the last couple of weeks of this series, uh, Pastor Rob has shared with us that Jesus is the bread of life, And he shared with us that Jesus is the light of the world. And so in John chapter 10, Jesus is continuing to make declarative statements about himself. But what he says in John chapter 10 goes right back to what's going on in John chapter 9. And so I want to summarize that uh, for us for just a moment. In John chapter 9, we see the story of a man who's born blind. And the people see this man that's born blind and they ask Jesus a question. They asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his parents' sin, or was it because of his sin? And Jesus gave them an answer that they weren't expecting. Because he said it wasn't because of anyone's sin that this man was born blind. It was because God had a plan for this man's life. And so then Jesus goes and heals him. He he gives him his sight. This is a great thing. At least I think we would all agree that this is a great thing. And people see him and recognize that he's now able to see, but they begin to ask questions. They want to know who healed him. And specifically, the Pharisees are concerned because he was healed on the Sabbath. They're either concerned that Jesus was healing on the Sabbath or that the man had washed on the Sabbath. And so they were concerned that this might have been a violation of the Sabbath. Imagine how hard your heart would have to be that you could see a blind man receive his sight And still have questions and still wonder and not give glory to God for that miracle. And so John chapter 9 starts with a story of a man who was born blind and who receives a sight. And the chapter 9 ends with Jesus talking about how blind the Pharisees were. They were supposed to be the leaders of God's people. But he was talking about their spiritual blindness. They were supposed to be the shepherds of God's people. But they weren't doing that very well. And so now we come to John chapter 10, and Jesus, again, is comparing himself to those religious leaders. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to John chapter 10. We're gonna start in verse one. It says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they didn't understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus begins by talking about sheep. He's talking about sheep and he tells them things um, that, that they would understand. We don't really understand sheep talk today because, well, most of us watching this probably don't have any sheep. But this was something that the people in Jesus' audience would have understood. Jesus tells them this. He says, a thief sneaks into the sheep pen, but the shepherd gets in through the gate. God's people can recognize the shepherd by the way he enters the pen. Do they climb over the fence like a thief? Or do they come in past the watchman through the gate? But secondly, and this is what I want us to really understand and really focus on right now, because he says, listen, the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. And the sheep will only follow their shepherd. They're not going to listen to anyone else. They're not going to follow any other voice but just their shepherd. Now, I'm not a sheep expert, okay? but this is the last time in six months that I have preached sermons on famous shepherd passages. Last October, I preached on Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And so as I was preparing for this sermon as well, I was reading in several different places And they were talking about how shepherds, multiple shepherds, could keep their sheep in one pin, and they didn't have to worry about losing any sheep. Why? Because when it was time to leave, sheep would only follow the voice of their shepherd. They wouldn't just wander out and go with somebody else. They wouldn't just wander out to the first shepherd that says something. They would only follow their shepherd. Let me ask you a question today. Do you know your shepherd's voice? Do you know God's voice? This is such an important question because there's so many voices out there that are trying to get our attention. So many things going on that they're speaking, people speaking, trying to speak into our lives. But what we need to know is, do we know God's voice? Amen. Do we hear God's voice? And so as we think about that question, I was like, well, how, how do we know? God's voice? How do we know our shepherd's voice? And, and there are three ways that I was thinking of. You could tell me there's more, but these were the three that I was really thinking about. The first one is we're able to hear God's voice because God has given us his Holy Spirit to live inside of us, okay? We're able to understand and to hear God's voice because he has given his Spirit to live inside of us. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches this incredible sermon, and the people that hear this sermon, they come to Peter and they say, brother, what shall we do? And so Peter responds by their, to their question by saying, in Acts 2.38 says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So let's think about what that verse is telling us. What, what, is, what is Peter replying to? He's replying to their question of what shall we do? And he tells them that they need to repent and they need to, baptize, to be baptized. Okay, we have to change our behavior. We have to change the direction of our lives. We have to change our mind. And that's really what repentance is all about. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. And then Peter tells them that they need to be baptized. And in that verse, it tells them what? It says they'll receive the forgiveness of their sins and they'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian today, God has given you his spirit. His spirit is inside of you and we need to be listening to that spirit. The book of John, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he tells them that the Holy Spirit's role is to convict the world of sin, but then he also tells us that the role of the Holy Spirit is to guide us. God has given us his spirit. Part of the spirit's job is to help us hear his voice as he lives within us. The second way that we hear God's voice is through being students of his word. We believe that this is God's word. We believe that this is what God has used to speak to people. This is how we know through scripture what God thinks in our lives. This is one of the reasons why it's so important for us to be involved in reading our Bibles on a daily basis. You know, some of you right now might have a little extra time at home, a little extra free time to be reading. And so God has given us his spirit, but he's also given us his his word. And those two things are always going to be in agreement with each other. I can't tell you how many times people have sat in my office and tried to tell me that God told them to do something that was directly contradictory to what God's word says. Let me tell you something. God, and and they like to say God told me because it's hard to argue with God told me, okay? But God is never gonna tell us through his spirit to do something that is contradictory to what his word says. And and so as the Holy Spirit and the word of God work together, as we immerse ourselves in God's word, we're able to have a better understanding of God's voice in our life. I've been a Christian for a long time now. I've read through the Bible many times, but you know what? I still need that daily nourishing from God's Word. And I'm still amazed at the things that God says to me through His Word. The things that I read that I didn't even realize were in there. So now the thing that's much harder than just reading it is that James 1 tells us in verse 22, it says, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. How much of our struggles and pains could be avoided by listening to the Spirit and listening to God's Word. But the third way that I think we hear God's voice is we hear God's voice by drawing near to Him. In James chapter 4, verse 8, says, Come near to God, and He will come near to you. We hear God's voice by drawing near to Him. That's really what church... Is all about Now, Our church is a little bit different today, a little bit different than normal, but that is what church is all about. It's about drawing us near to God. That is the function of everything that we do, is drawing us near to God. The songs that we sing, they're not sung to, to, to entertain us and to keep us entertained at all, but really they're songs that are sung to draw us near to God. They're intended to lead us to the throne of God. Matter of fact, when we're at church, I don't even care if you sing. Some of the greatest times of worship in my life have just when I've been sitting there present as other people were singing praises to the Lord. Singing draws us near to Him. The sermons are meant to, to bring us to draw us near to God through the explanation of God's word. And in our church, we take communion each and every week. It's a reminder of God's incredible love for us, so it's part of bringing us near. To God, Even the offering is part of drawing us near to God. It's a reminder of God's blessing in our lives. So we hear God's voice because of the spirit that he's given us. We hear God's voice because of the word of God that he has given us. And we hear God's voice by drawing near to him. Today I ask you, and I ask you to think about your life and say this. Do you know God's voice in your life? And are you listening to God's voice, Please stop listening to all the other voices out there in the world and listen to the voice of God. As we go back to what Jesus was saying in John chapter 10, and in verse 6, it actually says something that I find so reassuring. Because in verse 6, it tells us that they didn't understand what Jesus was saying. I appreciate it when the Bible tells me that Jesus' audience didn't understand him because it, it reminds me and it gives me hope. Because there are lots of things that as I read the Bible that I don't understand. And so it kind of reassures me that that I'm in the same boat as many of these people. But they they didn't understand. So Jesus tries to say it a different way. And so if you remember in verse 7, he talked about being the gate. And so if a shepherd needed to protect his sheep, he would put them in a pen and he would lay down in front of that pen. So why? So nothing bad could get in to harm his sheep. But he would also lay there so his sheep couldn't get out and wander off. And so John chapter 10 is telling us that Jesus is that gate in our lives. And so John 10.10 that I read, one of the greatest verses in the gospel of John, it's actually a verse I don't even have time to deal with today. It's 24 words that you could write an entire sermon about. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Let's continue on in John chapter 10 though. Verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. From my father. And so in this section, Jesus twice says, I am the good shepherd. And he explains himself as a good shepherd in two ways. He says, I'm the good shepherd because I am willing to lay down my life for my sheep. And I already mentioned communion once, but that's what we remember each and every week, that Jesus laid down his life for us. He gave his life freely for us so that we could have our relationship with God restored. That's the heart of the gospel message, that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus, that Jesus loved us so much that he came and he died for us, and that he didn't just die, but that he rose from the grave. That is the gospel. That's the gospel message. But today, what I want you to hear is a second part of why Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Because the second thing that he says, he says, being the good shepherd means that he knows his sheep. I want you to think about that for a moment. Jesus knows you. Jesus knows you. Now, some of you, as you're watching this sermon right now, that kind of scares you. The idea that Jesus knows you, it could be a little bit terrifying because Jesus knows what you do. He knows what you say. He knows where you go. Okay, But you know what? That's not meant to terrify us. It's meant to be a wonderful thing. It's incredible that God knows me it's incredible that God knows everything about me. The idea that the creator of the universe cares enough about me to know me blows my mind. Why? Because who am I? I'm nobody in the eyes of most of the world, but God knows me. I was thinking about this uh, as I was preparing the sermon. So in the late 90s, I, I left to go be the youth pastor at a church in Northridge called Northridge Christian Church. Bunch of wonderful people over there, and I was a youth pastor for several years. And, and my wife and I, we were a young family when we went over there. Uh, our oldest son was born, but our, our second son was not born yet. And I remember they had a great 4th of July tradition. They would get together as a church, and, and we would come together and share a meal together Um, we would watch fireworks from the local college that would set them off, but they would also do like these raffles, okay? And so I don't know where the prizes came from. I just know that they did these raffles. And so uh, my first 4th of July at the church, Christina and I and Andrew were there and, uh, and there was one raffle for a gift certificate for dinner at Lowry's the Prime Rib in Beverly Hills, okay? And so I don't remember how many tickets I had to put in a bag, but I'm pretty sure I put them all in that bag okay? And so when it came time to pull a ticket to see who won dinner at Lowry's the Prime Rib, they called my name. And I was so excited, okay? Because we didn't go to fancy schmancy restaurants, all right? And so this was going to be an incredible experience. So we, we, we made a reservation, we, we went to the restaurant in Beverly Hills, and all was great. Now, don't get me wrong, our car was not like the rest of the cars, maybe in the parking lot. And we Maybe weren't dressed as well as everybody else that was in the restaurant, but, but everything was fine. And so we dressed, we, we got there, and we sat down, and our server came over to get things rolling. And we, I very quickly showed her the gift certificate and said, this is what we want. We want whatever this will give us. Okay? like we don't have, you know, I didn't say this out loud, but the reality was we didn't have any money to get anything else but what this gift certificate gave us. And so she was very gracious about it, and she's like, well, the good news is this gift certificate gets you whatever you would like, okay? And and so that is what we had. Uh, But I have to think, when you work at a restaurant like that, you're probably a little bit disappointed when when people like us come in because, well, we were nobodies, and we were just happy to be along for the ride, and we were probably not her normal uh, clientele. So she probably didn't think about, or she was probably thinking about how much money she wasn't going to make by helping us. Now, an interesting thing about Lowry's the Prime Rib at the time is is we happen to know the gentleman who was the general manager of Lowry's the Prime Rib in Beverly Hills, his name was Dick Powell. And we didn't know him very well. He was a friend, a a father of one of a good friend of ours. And so, and, and I assume it's just like any work when the boss is walking around, everybody's on their best behavior, everybody's doing what they should be doing. And so at some point in our meal, I saw Dick Powell start walking across the room, making his way across the room. And like I said, our waitress and everybody had treated us very well, but again, we were, we were nobody still. But then something crazy happened. You see, Dick Powell saw me and saw my wife and came over and sat down with us. Okay, And so we were nobodies. But Dick Powell came and sat down and sat at our table and talked with us for about five or 10 minutes. And I actually saw our waitress's face. She was very concerned at that very moment, okay? Because I think she was wondering, I hope I've been good to these people. I hope I've been treating them well. Why are they talking to the general manager? But the reality is he was just sitting down talking to us because he knew us. We had been nobodies, but because of who we knew, we were somebody. Somebody. We were nobodies, but because of who we knew, we were somebody, even though the truth is we were still nobodies. And I think that's so important because we were nobodies, but because Dick Powell knew us, we were somebody. Now let's think about this on a much grander scale. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep. You might be sitting at home today listening to the sermon and you might feel like a nobody. You might think nobody knows who you are, nobody cares who you are. You might feel like you are all alone. And I want to tell you that God knows who you are. God not only knows who you are, but God cares who you are. The Good Shepherd knows you. He knows you inside and out, and he loves you. He knows you inside and out, and despite that, he still loves you incredibly. How amazing is that? A couple weeks ago, as I was on the internet, I found this, and, um, and I was trying to think about like just the words that God has used to show us how much he loves us. And I found this on the internet, and so if you want to find it for yourself, you can just type into Google something like love letter from God, and these are all verses or things that are said about us from scripture. It says, my child, it says, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up, I'm familiar with all of your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered, for you were made in my image. In me, you live and move and have your being, for you are my offspring. I, know you even, I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determine the exact time of your birth, where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in, my, in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I'm not distant and angry, but I'm the complete expression of love. And it's my desire to lavish love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hands, for I am your provider, and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope, because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I'm able to do more than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am the Father who comforts you in all of your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I loved my Son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I give up everything I love that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son, Jesus, you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father, and I will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I'm waiting for you. Love your dad, almighty God. Today, as I wrap up, I want you to think about the questions that, that I that brought up today. Number one, who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? This is the most important question that you could ever answer in your life. Secondly, do you know God's voice? Like, do you know God's voice? And not only do you know God's voice, but are you listening? to God's voice in your life right now. With so many things going crazy all around us, it's so hard, but I want to encourage you to just shut all those things out and to listen to God's voice and what God has to say in your life. Shut everything else out and just listen to him. Do you know God's voice? And lastly, do you believe that God, do you believe that God not only knows you, but that he loves you? Do you believe that God not only knows you, but that he loves you? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the hope that it gives us. Lord, there's so much going on all around us right now. And, And things are changing every single day, but one thing that doesn't change is you. That you love us, that you care for us, that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, and that you know us and you want to be known by us. And so, Father, I thank you for the hope that we have in you. And I pray that as people are, are, are getting into your word, Lord, that they would draw hope and draw near to you so they can hear your voice. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Remember, Lord, your tender. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org, or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. And your love you me You forget all my rebellions that you've always